What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fitness Oracle. Today is an interesting day. We actually sat down with uh, Emily Marquis, who is a clinical health and wellness coach and a yoga instructor, among other things. Like she's got a whole amazing resume of stuff. Um, this is just a little recap before before we get into the real intro. Um, she's created a group of powerful individuals and businesses to help with supporting each other and creating healthy lifestyle habits for both individuals and for corporations. Some of the topics that we went in today has were quite deep. Um, as, as in the fact that, you know, you have the power to do it yourself. You don't need, uh, well, you do need modern medicine. However, there are alternatives. And that was the whole purpose of this entire show. Um, well, at least this episode. Um, so today we actually talked about five, minimum five topics. We talked about quite a bit. Uh, we talked about uh, the power to heal yourself the power to heal yourself, the power of why, and it's something that I personally live by, uh, creating visions and implementing them and sticking to and circling back to why your why, setting goals, and again, circling back to your vision and circling back to your why. And the biggest thing that we're trying that that we're fit that we're facing with our society today is reintegrating with a population which is a big topic and uh, we briefly touched up on it i wanted to go into a little bit more detail but we didn't go into that topic too deeply which we should have which we should have had however it was just such a broad topic that um with this episode would have lasted even longer than the, the last episode was which was two hours so i hope you enjoy this show i hope you enjoyed this episode and again as normal if please if you do enjoy if you do enjoy uh what we're doing here at the fitness oracle please subscribe to the channel if you're watching this on youtube um Please leave, a, please leave a comment below. Let us know that you're there and you're listening. Hit the bell to notify you the next time that we come up with another, with another episode. And as we're, we are working on a lot of stuff, it's just trying to, you know, face stuff in slowly so I don't get overworked and I just burn out and stop doing stuff. So that's why I'm kind of just slowly bringing stuff in. And as usual, if you do know of anybody, any guys or any girls out there that are suffering from mental health issues, please share this with them as this episode, these episodes, this entire fitness oracle thing is for them to help them understand that one, they are not alone and there are, and two, there are options other than whatever they may be going through. And with that, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Fear can be a barrier. Um, well, fear, fear is a very real thing. It's, it's meant for us as an instinct to have to, as a defense mechanism. However, you know, we are not in caveman 
um, situations anymore. So our fears um, can be something we can get over um, if we look at them. Um, I think that it's really um, connecting again with that motivation and the understanding the switch from helplessness to empowerment. Um, and I think it should take a village of not just different people, but modalities um, to, from healers like, you know, shamans or acupuncturists or chiropractors to naturopaths. You know, I think integrative health is um, so we have this image in our head, right, of who we are. Um, and we either have a negative vision or an ideal self vision. And um, so ask, so as a coach, asking just really powerful questions and spending a lot of time upfront building that foundation of motivation and the vision of your ideal self, whether that's in your physical health, mental health, um, relationships. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours, and this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Emily Marquis. She is a clinical health and wellness coach, board-certified NBC, HWC, an RYT200 yoga instructor, and mindfulness consultant. Emily works with individuals and groups in support of creating healthy habits for sustainable lifestyle change. Drawing from her professional training and professional and personal health challenges, she has experienced in preventing, reducing, and managing chronic illness from stress to sleep to weight loss to work-life balance. With her combined coaching and corporate HR background, Emily works with organizations in creating cultures of wellness and NAHU certified. Emily also works with clinics and fellow practitioners to create a village for clients to best support their well being. She is an instructor at Emory University in their graduate coaching certified program. She lives in Colorado with her family and loves the balance between a good TV show and an outdoor adventure. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. I appreciate it. So how is Colorado? Are you guys fully open? We are fully open and I live in a tourist town in Southwest Colorado. So we're happy to be open and thriving. Um, that's what we, we live on here. Um, and yeah, we ha- it's been uh, rainy this season, which is welcomed. So we've had some fires, but not too many. So it's beautiful, beautiful here in Colorado. That's really great. We're actually slowly trying to open here up in Toronto. So hmm. we're all welcoming that part. <laughs> with yes, it's. Arms. It will get there. You will get there. And, and, and even when you do, it's still strange and ambiguous and not everybody's there yet. <laughs> Which is quite interesting that you said that because uh, later on in the show, we are going to talk about reintegrating ourselves back into 
how we had it. But uh, for now, um, you actually you actually wrote a blog post that actually struck a chord with me. Um, not in a bad way. It was a good. It was a good chord. It was more of an okay. interest because <laughs> when people talk about fear, you pique my interest because um, I'm the type of person that loves going where I'm afraid. Mm. Not to the okay. point where I'm going to hurt myself, but just you know, curious about where is this going to lead me. You talked about it as a barrier. Mm. How so? Well, I think you have a characteristic where you're open to looking at your fear and maybe being, like you said, having some curiosity about it. Um, fear can be a barrier. Um, well, fear, fear is a very real thing. It's, it's meant for us as an instinct to have to, as a defense mechanism. However, you know, we are not in caveman um, situations anymore. So our fears um, can be something we can get over um, if we look at them. Uh, I really liked a quote that I heard um, the author, Liz Gilbert, right? She said, you can have a fear, but sometimes you have to strap it in the car seat in the back and push on the gas pedal forward, still there, but you have to get uh, pushed forward through it. So Fear can be a barrier because um, of, of many different things. So let's say you have a fear, a small fear. If you uncover, like it can be a barrier to working out. You have a fear maybe that your appearance or your clothes or your you know, abilities or capabilities aren't going to match what everyone else's is in the gym or the yoga studio. Now they're probably all sitting there thinking about their grocery list and their own bodies and not even looking at you, but that can be a fear that is a barrier to even stepping into that gym or signing up for a class. Um, we have fears from our past um, that can, you know, like that our parents put on us that may not even be recognizable anymore that they aren't ours. Like I know uh, my mother was very afraid of horses and so it was just ingrained in me to not try horseback riding or to not get in your horses. So it can be a, a fear about how we look or a big fear that was imposed on us, but it's definitely something to look at that can be something that can hold us, hold us back. We even have fears of not succeeding or a fear of if I stop drinking, um, then what, what's going to happen? Who am I going to be? So lots of fears out there and, and they're really, uh, if it's not doing you a good in defending you anymore, then it's probably a barrier. That's quite interesting because fear of success is also a big fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Going into a lot of personal stuff here and it's not about me. I have to remind myself it's not <laughs> about me. But um, Everybody has their own way of, you know, breaking barriers. How do you break down some of those barriers? Because fear, um, like I've said uh, in a previous podcast, can get you into two different places. It can either stop you from doing what you need to do, or it can lead you to places of amazing expectations for yourself that you never even dreamed of. Mm 
So how do you go about breaking those barriers down so people can live in a state of um, elation, state of, you know, uh, abundance? Well, it's a mindset um, and it takes practice. And so what I have been trained in and science tells us um, and really is philosophically what I work with in clients is um, we all have a choice. We all have power. No no matter how big or small that fear is, but it takes some awareness to pause and ask yourself some of those questions. Okay, I'm feeling fear, you know, what is, and what does that even look like or or feel like um, in my body? Like, how do I know I'm having fear? Like, usually it's like your shoulders tense or your, you know, clench your butt or your jaw or um, you start sweating. and so there's some triggers or you, you start racing in your mind, the what ifs of the black hole, or you start Googling, you know, what if I get eaten by, you know, a, a mountain lion on a hike or something. So, so pause when you start noticing those triggers and then ask yourself those questions. Okay. Is this real? Like, am I safe right now? Or, you know, how big is this fear? And then um, how can I get power over that? Um, and usually there's two answer courage. And then how do you get the courage is usually through tools. And so that can be through resources. So if you're feeling fear, reach into that toolbox and lean into your strengths of those tools that you have, whether that's calling a friend, calling an expert, or, you know, like, okay, this, or talking yourself out of it, or going to a course, reading a book, um, trying it out and noticing that there isn't fear. So um, gathering information and tools is how you can gradually break down uh, the barriers by having courage, knowledge, and empowerment to get there. So that's pretty high, high level. Um, and that can take you know, a week. It can take months of trial and error or gaining those, those tools. Yeah, yeah, that's a big mouthful right there. Like can take like years sometimes to break down some of the barriers depending on how how deep that fear really goes like like you said a couple mm-hmm. points with like you know your parents you know that can go like from childhood and if you're in your mid 40s or late 50s or whatever i mean that's a can take a um really long time yes and usually when you start looking at shadows or fears or being curious about them it's like a peeling back an onion and there's little tiny layers to each to each one till you get to the core another thing that you actually touched up on was uh the power over your over yourself the power to heal yourself which is something that i'm a huge huge fan of i'm a huge fan of you know being able to heal yourself with natural ways. Um, What do you mean by having the power to heal? Oh, so so many things. So um, personally, I've had some health challenges with diet and fertility and anxiety and depression, um, weight, you know, autoimmune, all those things. And I Um, you know, you either can take a bunch of medicine, which is sometimes really necessary, um, or you can start looking at peeling back those layers. And 
um, both are choices and, and power, um, but one of them can require more responsibility than the other and uh, take more time, but it's long lasting. And so I think for me and for what I see clients do is it really has to connect with a desire to change and motivation and, and have a longer effect um, on that. So with that, I mean, the mind is so powerful. So having positive thoughts, um, looking at your you know, food as medicine or poison um, and on extreme words there. Um, so really just taking a look at, okay, I have power over my health by how I move, what I eat, um, what I drink, my you know, social behaviors. So each one of those factors is, um, yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. Like we have to adult ourselves, but it's also, okay, now I have the power to not be so helpless in this diagnosis or in my weight or my abilities in, in this workout. You talked about fertility. Now, this is something that without getting too personal, it's something that has affected a family member of mine recently. Mm-hmm. It's very common. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, without getting into too much detail, they've been trying to get pregnant for a second time and it's failing, it's failing, mm-hmm. it's failing. Do you believe that past experiences can play a factor in whether or not how can I how can I say this without getting too um, woo woo? <laughs> <laughs> I can go woo woo. <laughs> okay, and then I can bring it back to science too. <laughs> Do you think uh, past experiences can have an effect on whether or not something as I'm not going to call it simple because it's such a complex chain of events that can make a, a new human being in this world? Mm-hmm. do you think those kinds of like past effects past past experiences that you know failure 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 or i haven't resolved something in my past can that affect something as getting pregnant yes i believe that um personally and i do believe that that is something i personally experienced in my fertility challenges um, you know, if you really want to go woo woo, some people, you know, say past lives or energy can affect that. Um, then science also even tells us now DNA changes. So like Holocaust survivors, grandchildren, their DNA changed to respond to fear. Um, you know, they are tracing that back to ancestry. So um, it can be. And also, you know, if what I think I hear you saying is, okay, is the trauma of trying for so long or miscarriage or loss or relationships or help? Um, Yes, I I think all of those things can be factors. Um, And who knows what else is, you know, there's 3 million things that go into getting pregnant and takes two people. Uh, so also, you know, with the, the male or the donor or whatever, you know, what is going into that? So yes, I, I believe that I personally, um, 
know of people who go to shamans or medicine, you know, medicine, uh, medicinal healers to heal the energy in the womb. Um, if you want to go there, uh, acupuncture uh, has been a modality in that, which personally I uh, truly uh, resonate with and, and respond to in my body. Um, and then also maybe just healing the gut, gut going through, yeah, maybe it's time to just look at your energy and mental and, and also try to let go of shame. Maybe it's totally not your fault at all. And it's just not going to happen. And coming to that acceptance um, is, is really difficult. And then you hear those stories where 10 years later, the person gets pregnant when they're, you know, least expecting it, not thinking about it, not stressed about it. So you wonder, I don't know how much science is in that, but I truly believe, you know, there's, there's all of that connected to it. Mm -hmm. So blaming like God for not being able to get pregnant is like totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can blame somebody if that helps you. <laughs> I've been there, but uh, yeah, some things have an explanation of millions um, and some things uh, it's, it's, it's too hard to understand. And just for the record, it's okay to go like really woo woo on my show. It's okay. okay. I'm, all good. Well, I'm all good. I go, I, I can go both in a, you know, any direction. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do, what tools do you personally use to help people understand the power for them to heal themselves? Um, I think that it's really um, connecting again with that motivation and the understanding the switch from helplessness to empowerment. Um, now, fortunately, we do have so much science so you can share some information and resources. Um, but I think people who are on lots of medication or they see, they see their life shortening um, in length because the doctor discontinues to have bad news. Um, people actually have the innate desire to feel well. Um, and I think that our culture externally is what gives off the reverse, like take a load off and you know, drink all these, our, you know, the commercials or the social media, all the information that's coming at us is contrary to that belief or healthcare. And so I think it's just connecting with that ability um, that's actually innate, innately in us, the desire, the capability, the motivation. And then once you start doing it and hearing other people's stories, but once you start taking charge of your health, you just feel better and there's really no explanation beyond I feel better. I'm seeing results. And then the motivation and confidence just climbs from there. You said something interesting that I want to touch up on. Doctors giving people bad news, shortening their lifespan. Mm -hmm. We are in probably the biggest I don't want to call it fear show, but that's what it's starting to look like. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to go here, but let's let's go anyways, because this is where okay. I'm going. 
do you think it's a good idea to put all our faith in an institution that doesn't know exactly where it's going, especially with a medicine that is that has so much controversy over it? Um, are you talking about a specific medicine or just the overall healthcare? Let's just talk about overall healthcare. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I became a health coach because I personally disagree with the cultural um, philosophy of the way healthcare is run uh, in America. And I, uh, I think it's better in Canada, but um, <laughs> we're still not, you know, we're very different, Eastern and Western. Um, and I think that prevention is really important. Um, and so that's, and so the fact that now in America, clinical health coaches, like what I am, um, are getting board certified and now being a part of the um, healthcare system, we're getting insurance numbers, hopefully someday we'll be reimbursed. So I think we're having a shift that's going to take years, but is finally saying hello. So um, I know that you have to be your own advocate. Um, I experienced this personally when I was going to the doctors and I had uh, a slew of symptoms and it was very easy for them to just write me and a prescription for an antidepressant. Um, and I, it was very difficult for me to say, no, I want, you know, I want to get tested for this. I want to get tested for that. And the doctors had the power to say, no, you don't need that. And I say, this is my body. I'm paying for it, but you have to get those orders. Um, and so it took me a year to get a proper diagnosis of going to different doctors who would just listen to me um, and not just write me a prescription medication. Um, and it turned out that's when I started finding out a lot of my endocrine problems and thyroid problems and food problems. I wasn't just feeling depressed or low energy because I was depressed. I knew it was something bigger. So um, I think that the training and mindset of our institutions is narrow um, and, it's, and it's reactive and um, it's a one size fits all. And we are each incredibly unique and do have that power. So instead of sitting at the doctor's office and getting bad news every time, what can the conversations be with 16 year olds, you know, 10 year olds, 20 year olds with here's where your, you know, healthy habits are now, instead of when they're 35, um, you know, you've already missed out on 10 years of of your life because you've been busy shortening it. So how can we just change that mindset? So I have a strong opinion um, on that in the institution. And I don't think our faith should be totally put into one there. I totally agree with you there. I mean, I've been misdiagnosed a couple of times by physicians and it's, if they could miss the mark on these two easy, easy things. They're human too. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. They're human. And I think it should take a village of not just different people, but modalities um, 
to, from healers, like, you know, shamans or acupuncturists or chiropractors to naturopaths, you know, I think integrative health is, uh, and, and having that be patient centered individually, um, it's hopefully our future someday. Sometime soon. I have a feeling I have a feeling and it's a consensus feeling not just by me by Mm -hmm. quite a few people people are Mm -hmm. feeling a shift Mm -hmm. um shifting gears uh you do have a very interesting turn on the word why now this is a big big word and I have Mm -hmm. been reminding myself constantly recently uh, of my why. Now, what do you mean by the word why? Oh, I think, yes. Why is such a powerful question. I have two children and I get asked why all the time. Um, and to the point where it's like, all right, you get five whys tonight before I you know, go to bed. <laughs> but as a coach, it's a question that anytime you talk to me, you're going to get a why and we'll always circle back. So um, there's a bigger why. I think there's a lot of soul searching of that. Why are we here? What's our purpose? Uh, And that answer can be small or grand. Um, I'm here to parent. I'm here to be kind. I'm here to teach. I'm here to whatever. Or um, on a smaller level, really connecting with that why. Now, again, science is showing that we have to have a reason. We have to have purpose, even if it's, why am I doing this job? And that can be down to, to provide for my family, which is fulfilling, um, or all the way to, because I'm serving people. And generally the answer is not, um, because I make money and if it is, you need a new why or a new job, um, (laughs) or if you're changing your health, like really connecting with that why. So I need to lose weight or I need to exercise more. I need to change my diet. Um, and the why is generally going to be pretty big. Like, I just want to feel well. Um, I want to spend time with my kids and see them have grandkids. Um, I don't want to die like my sister or something like that. So there are some pretty big whys, and it seems like it's a no brainer when you ask people like, why is this even important to you? And then you break that down to, okay, this week I'm going to cut out six sodas or, you know, something like that. And then you just ask, well, why, why is that important to you? Well, that's because I'm, and then the answer goes back to, well, I want to eat better so that I can live longer. And it sounds so easy, but um, a lot of us need to take some time to pause to, to ask, answer that question. Why, why am I doing this? Cause so often we can just close our eyes and do things without intention or motivation. And then that's when we start to feel stressed, disconnected, low energy, because we have, we're just going through the motions. And so when we can connect with that, why we are happier, fulfilled, and more likely to to take action. Um, Yeah. Uh, I was going to transition into motivation, but we'll do that in a, in a bit. Cause you just, okay. you're, you're too many wheels in the cog. You're just spinning right now. <laughs> um, most of the time when I ask my clients, you know, why do you do this? Why is this important to you? It always boils down to 
one thing that I that I've that I've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed this too, and I want to get your perspective on it. It's basically they want to feel loved, they want to feel accepted, they want to feel a part mm-hmm. of something. Uh, do you do you get the same feeling with that? Yes, I mean a sense of belonging, being seen, being accepted. Um, externally is a huge motivation. Um, and then if you peel that layer of the onion back, it's really like coming down to self-love and acceptance um, and being happy with who we are. Uh, that's that's really important. Um, and that's again part of our humanity in in being having that belonging and acceptance. So being able to love yourself first before you can love someone else. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that seems so foreign to some. Um, and for me personally, I know it took a while to get there to know what loving myself was, but it's really just having a nice voice in your own head when you look in the mirror or when you're doing something, um, you know, when does that inner critic come up? Um, and then self-love is just saying, Hey, that's not nice. I'll get through this. Or I can do this. I'm going to do it again today. So just have that is self-love is just changing the criticism internally to uh, some compassion. Do you think it's important to, to listen to the self-critic, but not pay too much attention to it? Yeah, I think that, again, it's, it's observing and I'm pausing to question like, okay, what is this about? Is this real? Um, and then I kind of had this, this conversation with my inner critic, like, what do you need is a question I ask. Like, usually my inner critic starts getting on my head or blaming other people, or, you know, it's really easy. My, uh, you know, ex-husband can be a, a natural target inside my mind, honestly, when nothing related remotely to him is, you know, going wrong in my life. So uh, just yeah, having awareness of it and then saying either shut up, sit down or, okay, I hear you. What do you need? Yeah. So it's a, it's a continuous conversation. Yeah. Um, only reason why I'm asking, because this is something that's again, very, very, very near to me. Uh, in my twenties, mm-hmm. I was, when I was going through my own depression and mm-hmm. I almost committed suicide twice because of it the conversation that I was having in the morning with myself in the mirror was I effing hate you. You're not worthy. Mm-hmm. You're not this, you're, you're not this, you're not that. So it's like, it's that conversation. Like you said before, it's that conversation that you're having with yourself. It's like, you can be all smiles and giggles on the outside, but in inside, if you're rotting, if you feel like you're rotting, people are going to yeah. see Right. So, oh, yeah. And that actually has um, a physiological impact on you when you start having those thoughts. And so, if you're noticing those are your thoughts, um, the power in that situation is certainly to reach out and get some help um, because sometimes you're too deep inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Switching to motivation, we're just going to touch up a little bit on motivation. Like, as a personal trainer, I see people highly, highly, highly motivated certain times of the year. And it's not mm-hmm. January 1st, like everybody thinks. There's multiple <laughs> different times in the year where people become motivated. 
and it falls it falls within like two and a half weeks people are no longer motivated they'll go to the gym don't eat well mm-hmm. how do you keep people motivated and do you like that word motivation mm-hmm. i like the word motivation but i know some people can roll their eyes at it um and so i did this uh, i was part of this research study with the university of louisville in kentucky and they were doing uh, the impacts of physical activity on uh, students in high stress situations because our college students right now are <laughs> having large suicide rates and all of that, bad habits. And, um, and part of it was I was the coach, uh, so wellness coaching in the, the research. And so it was very fascinating um, to see all the science coming together before my eyes. And one of the things that studies say is there actually is a point when you're going through change where your body or your brain or whatever wants to hold on and your motivation goes away. It's a, it's a, it's a um, physiological or, or mental neuro, neuro, neurologic, ah, I can't say the word, you know, process. And so that's when you have to begin to, with your motivation, your why up front and you have, and then you pull it out when you start feeling yourself peeling away. Um, how do I get that motivation back? Um, and so um, it's what's going to keep you going. Um, like even I think in a 60 minute workout session, whether you're lifting weights or doing cardio or in a class or yoga, there is a point halfway through that literally your body or your mind wants to stop. And so finding that motivation is going to be that your resilience. And so I, I recommend to clients take a sticky note, be that person, put it on your water bottle put it on the machine, put it on your steering wheel, put it on your mirror, put it on your nightstand. Like it's going to be a challenge to remember it. So make it visible, make it hard for it to go away. And then once you get past that hump, um, it's actually then exponentially easier to continue to stay motivated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if, if you can't do it, get a buddy or a coach. (laughs) I have a big sticky note at work and here that says help someone today. That's it. Oh, that's, that's your why. That's great. Um, this is something new that I actually has come into my life this year. And I was introduced to it, uh, from this men's group that I'm a part of. And I saw when I saw you put this, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> you you uh, you said creating visions. Now, mm. I didn't know what this was uh, up until I was introduced to it this year. Our starting point is a little bit different. I want to know what your starting point is to help somebody create a vision. Mm. Well, you already have it. So I support people in leaning into it and uncovering it. Um, So we have this image in our head, right, of who we are. Um, And we either have a negative vision or an ideal self vision. And um, so ask, so as a coach, asking just really powerful questions and spending a lot of time up front building that foundation of motivation and the vision of your ideal self, whether that's in 
your physical health, mental health, um, relationships. Um, you can have several versions of your ideal self depending on the category. So lots of questions. Um, if people are open to it, I love doing uh, some meditations specific around visioning. So you can tap into that. Um, I do an annual vision board workshop that's the biggest sellout every single year. Um, so all that visioning and then also um, you're just talking about it and then writing it down again um, as connecting with your why. Um, and so mostly people have a vision and that's how you uh, then can relate to, okay, well, this is my vision and you get there uh, through different modalities and then what's the gap? And so that's where you can start filling in the blanks there. That's good. That's good. We, we were told start at the end. Oh, our very end. Mm -hmm. Who's mm -hmm. talking about you and your uh, while you're not here anymore? Who's talking about you? Mm -hmm. What are they saying? How what yes. was the impact? And so it's quite interesting. Like like you exactly like you said. Like you have this vision of yourself. Um, is this just only health based, or is this like like life based for you? Mm -hmm. Yes, legacy is a very important question, and it can seem really grand, but it's something to ponder um, whether you're sitting down intentionally to think about it or something has occurred that's forcing you to think about it. Um, but it's really intentional to sit down and just think about our legacy. Um, and, and then when you come upon a challenge or a decision or courage, you can even ask, how does this align with my legacy or my ideal self? What would my ideal self do in this situation? So it's a, it's a great uh, turning point as well. How would you get about somebody like, you know, with roadblocks? Like, I'll give you an example. Like uh, they have this, they have this, um, they have this vision of themselves and they know what to do, but they're just too afraid to do it. Introducing barriers into themselves. Mm -hmm. how would you help somebody say okay you know what you can do this mm. well that's when we really drive into those tools again um, and tools can be tangible um, but we're all born with different strengths whether we're born with them or we've built them over time usually we've experienced challenges um, in our life previously uh, in any different form, small or big. Uh, and so you've built strengths to get you to a certain point or learned life lessons, heaven forbid. Um, so lean into, okay, what have you done before? Or what's a transferable skill or strength that you have? And sometimes if you don't know that, you know, we'll start to uncover that. There's different tests you can, tests you can take online, what your character strengths are, capability strengths, and then or again, like I said, what did you do last time you had a big challenge and you didn't think you could do it or you had fear? So leaning into those strengths um, as tools. And then, and then if not, let's go uh, find some. Let's go find some more tools to, to help you with those. Cool. Very, very cool. Um, again, as a personal trainer, I have... I love this next, this next topic. I absolutely love it. 
<laughs> a lot of people they love it but they don't stay on it uh setting goals for yourself now this is such a broad topic and people have so many different so many different and useful tools to set goals for yourself now how do you go about setting goals for yourself and how do you go about setting goals helping people set their own goals Oh gosh. Yes. That's a big topic. And I want to, I appreciate you asking me that because, um, just the other day I had, a um, one of my things when I, uh, I have a rule on authentic and real, no lies. Integrity is really important to me. And so sometimes with my clients, I'll relate to them and say, Oh my gosh, I'm going through that too. And I had a client say, really, I thought you had it so together. Um, and I said, well, yeah, I just have a lot of tools, but man, I am human and I have a life. And so um, setting goals for me is, is I have to coach myself through it, um, but really being specific and attainable. I think that's really realistic and important. So I want to get with COVID, um, I, I stopped going to my social outlets for working out. Um, it's really easy for me to up with somebody for a hike where I live but getting in that regular strength training for me, um, or cardio, you know, intentional high intensity workouts, uh, has totally gone away. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to exercise every week, every day this week. And of course it didn't happen. So I'm like, okay, I have to start smaller. I'm going to find one class because I'm not doing the videos. It's just not happening. I'm over the videos online at home. COVID just did that to death to me. Um, and again, that I'm not, the motivation isn't there anymore. So, okay. I need some social, I found one class. I'm going to go, I'm going to go once next week and I'm going to pay ahead of time. So I have some accountability and some reality in what's achievable for the goal for me. Um, and also I had to talk about it with my partner and had to tell him about it. Like I, I have to do this because I'm not feeling well and I want to, you know, this is important to my health. So again, connecting with that why and then setting like when it's going to happen, uh, it's realistic and then having some accountability in that and make it small. So keeping it simple. Keep it simple. Yes. And it will grow on its own. <laughs> I love it because that's what I do too. Like uh, I found that every time that, when was it in October, I had a burnout and I literally like closed my laptop for a month, didn't turn on my computer for a month, which that never happens, especially like for me, like I'm, yeah. I work in IT full time. So wow. for me to come home and, you know, do my, my fitness stuff and my podcasting stuff. It's like, I need to have the laptop open. I'm like, no, I can't, yeah. even, couldn't even physically open the laptop. Wow. So it's just, I added one, I did one thing for one week. And then I added a second thing the next week, like mm -hmm. slowly, gradually increasing it. Do you, do you feel that if you uh, jump back in full blown, how often have you seen people just do it for like a week and then stop? Yeah, it's not sustainable because you weren't doing it before. Um, and so going all or nothing is, um, yeah, it's a sure way to not succeed. 
Um, and that's a huge life lesson. And as a coach, you can make some recommendations, right? But you can't control. And if someone has ambition and motivation, um, you're like, all right, try it, give it a try. And, you know, they can succeed. But then, yeah, week two or week three, um, you know, things just start to slowly die down because that level of intensity in anything um, is it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Uh, so true. <laughs> so true. What would you say somebody who keeps doing it on a regular basis? Doing the high intensity all in. You see them doing the high intensity all in. They fail. They go back in. They fail. They go back in. They fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we would just, if they would have to be able to look at that, Um, You know, it's easy for someone on an outside perspective to see the pattern that's not working, um, but they can be really attached to that capability of like, I go all in, it works, I lost the weight, you know, it's yo-yo, or I went all in, I ran, you know, I ran a marathon and now I'm going to do nothing or something. So um, it can be a mark of pride or capability or success or achievement, uh, but then you have those lows. So I think trying to work with that person on recognizing the patterns and the when and that it's an up and a down that that's the pattern so how can we get what would consistency of a flat line uh look like that's more sustainable instead of the up and downs and um also going back to you know if you want to dig a little deeper getting to the fear of well if I don't go all in what if I fail or what if I'm not viewed as ambitious or successful, or they tell themselves, you know, I'm, I am a hard worker, you know, I have strong work ethic. So having fear of letting go of that identity, um, because failure is right around the corner. So it's, it's a mindset and getting there and just, you know, really realizing some patterns and getting to that, that realization and acceptance. Interesting. Uh, only reason why I'm asking is because people who have a tendency of doing that. I'm pointing to myself for people listening. To that. Um, they are highly high. They have a higher rate of falling into depression if they're not ready to do it because they were such at a, such a high peak and they hit such a low, like you said, the high and low peaks that when they get into the low, um, they really feel like failures. So much shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, me personally, I have specific tools that I implement when I hit my lows. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if somebody doesn't have their own tools? How can you like, you know, say, okay, we're here, but that's okay. Like, what, how would you help that person? Well, in that time, I think it'd be really important to talk about if you want to go really deep looking at their connection with okay what are the stories they are telling themselves failure and you know success they are one extreme to the other how can they get to a story of success is consistent sustainability um and then you know having if they're not doing 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 then they're not feeling successful um i have a friend who 
when she was relaxing and reading a book, her husband came home and she caught herself throwing the book like behind her because she had this feeling like, oh my gosh, if my husband catches me reading, he's going to think I'm useless or not working hard enough, you know? And of course he didn't think any of those things. So some people have this idea if I'm not doing, 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 I'm not contributing. I'm not worthy. I'm not useful. So that's a whole thing to unpack um, when they're in that, um, which may be mental health person, you know, working through what a low feels like and why, but also, okay. If you have to take, to get out of that rut, instead of going all in, trying to dig those baby steps, what's the next notch on a rung on the ladder up instead of jumping 60 feet? What's the next one? What's one foot up? Let's try that. And just trying to get back to that, that level of contentment in the middle. Yeah. Um, last 16 months have been hard and a lot of people have uh, hit new lows with themselves. Um, how, mm-hmm. and now that everything's opening up again, people are finding it another more difficulty trying to reintegrate themselves with society with other people and it's starting to come up with weird challenges like i saw two i saw one guy give a handshake and the other guy's like what kind of a handshake is that (laughs) yeah so how do you how would you recommend for people to you know get back to whatever quote unquote normal was when they, when this thing happened, I'm just going to call it a thing. Yeah. Well, and that's really personal, right? I mean, we have such different levels of fears, beliefs, um, chronic illness, realities, um, and uh, safety precautions that are very real for one person and, and totally not applicable to another. So it's so hard. Um, so really it's going down to what feels good to you um, and do that. Uh, I know someone who is totally healthy and she's still scared to go out um, to do some social things. And you know, obviously from an outsider's perspective that socialization would be so healthy for her, um, in having some joy and some fun and some social connection. And, um, and so I think, yeah, this, the last few six or year more has triggered some anxieties and fear that, um, maybe already had existed, but the tools weren't there, um, or the fears were really real. So it's really just, as you said at the beginning of our conversation is having the courage to just look at what's true for you and what's a fear that maybe could be resolved or talked about or given some tools like, okay, if I'm going to have this fear, maybe I go out and hang out with people or go to a meeting and I don't choose the handshake or today I'm going to choose to acknowledge that I'm safe and this is going to be okay. And we're going to just see how it goes. So I think really just looking at it, setting some intentions and trial and error and just take some action that feels good to you. Um, I know what you mean by uh, 
when you were when you're talking about your friend that uh, she was she was scared of leaving because what led me to that bridge was me locking myself in my parents basement apartment Mm -hmm. for an entire year wow so I totally understand when people are saying that they're having a hard time but sometimes my belief is a hug can go a long way I know this is like coming from like like I'm like one of the biggest conservative people that you'll ever meet (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I do not like uh, I'm not going to say I don't like I, I don't agree with a lot of policies on the left and everything but one hug can go a long way when it comes to somebody who's suffering from depression from mm-hmm. uh separation and it's 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 just such a simple thing and it can just connect and help another person do you have mm-hmm. any simple tools that you can that, that, that you can share with somebody that you know that they can do to- mm-hmm. Yes. And again, using that science, like it's not just like, go get a hug, you know, Um, science tells us as humans, how important touch is. Um, It's, it's a way that we communicate as humans. and It's a way we nurture ourselves and, and socially. So um, for sure, I would say that it again has to work for you and take baby steps. I know, and side side story, I went through a really incredibly intense divorce in a very small town, which what felt like a fishbowl. And so I personally had to retreat from anything social because I was going through so much that I didn't feel, I felt the vulnerability was on a, a huge scale. I didn't feel like I could be my best self. So I did have to go off the grid and take care of myself um, in order to come back out um, and feel safe in that. So I can relate as well. Um, so what feels good to you? Who feels safe? Um, ask those questions. Um, is it a friend? Is it a family member? First start by, you know, there's a mindfulness activity. You can just put your own skin to skin, your own hand on your heart. That actually slows down your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, If, and I'm not sure where you are, but um, like I'm a yoga instructor and we were not allowed to offer adjustments uh, to people during class, which some of our students, you know, that's such a awesome part of class. You get like a little mini massage or you get to learn a pose better. And I know that for me as a a teacher, it was very hard to connect with students because I couldn't touch them. So when we started being allowed to do that just recently, um, the connection I had between students and more people started coming and felt comfortable with it because it was safe. So if you can go to a place where you just get, um, you know, a, a, a slight neck rub in a yoga class, or you go get to a personal trainer and you get a high five, um, starting somewhere small, but it is important to your, to your well-being in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, before all of this happened, I was actually doing, um, uh, I don't know if you know, like, um, MAT, muscle activation mm-hmm. technique oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it was a form of it. it wasn't exactly mat but 
is more like uh, muscular uh, muscular muscular integrity tests in okay posi mm -hmm. joint positions. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I was very hands on. Like I had people on my table. I was testing their hips, testing their knees, mm -hmm. ankles, arms. I'm not allowed to do that now. Mm -hmm. The problem is everything's going to open back up and I see this happening. My clients are going to come back and they're not going to want me to touch them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they're so afraid. And it's like you said, baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think there's such a spectrum. So as a practitioner, I totally see your, um, you know, am I even going to have clients? Can I work in the way that I need to? Um, it was so interesting. So I uh, have an office and we have a therapist and we have a massage, a couple of massage therapists. And so, um, and the massage therapist during COVID, um, she was approved to stay open here in Colorado in public health. She is booked out. Like some people who wouldn't walk down the street without three masks on their face continue to go get the risk of getting a massage. So it's just interesting where people's, you know, choose to set their rules in their head. Um, and so there's, it's all going to open back up and there will be some people who might not come, but I know I go get acupuncture and she, uh, you know, takes all the precautions and touches people. And, you know, generally people, once they go and are okay with it um, and know that they're safe, it seems to be working out because it is necessary for our, our help. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, couple, maybe last month or so I had a, uh, kickboxing coach come on and he was like back in, out in the UK and he was like yeah we opened up he goes the first class was a little weird but everybody started to get everybody started to come back together after the first punch <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it just takes doing it even the first time or the second time the first the first time is always going to be the most vulnerable with uncertainty but um it feels it feels safe once you get there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's it's, it's all a, like a like a like a mind game, right? Is mm -hmm. the more you do it, the more comfortable you feel. Mm -hmm. And again, you have power over it. So, uh, you know, what can I do to take care of myself um, for my immune system, or you know, who do I hang out with, or what do I choose to do in those situations? You're not totally helpless. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're going to be wrapping up the show in just a little bit. And these okay. are the six, six or seven questions I ask all my guests. And I just want to get your uh, feedback on it and your point of view. With the increase in people suffering from depression, from the constant lockdowns and uncertainty, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Ooh, this is temporary and you will get through it. I mean, if you think about it or, and get help if you need it, don't, don't ever be afraid to get help. If you think about it, you know, I'm astonished that in the United States, the great depression really lasted like 10 years. The Spanish flu was like, 
you know, years and years and years. Um, we are so lucky that this has been relatively a short amount of time. So whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, it will get better. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, where do you see Emily Marquis in the next <laughs> five years? Oh, in the next five years, um, serving many, um, you know, I really want to take this pr profession forward, um, as I was saying before. So continuing to teach and get coaches out there credibly. Um, so continuing to teach in the universities and um, really lobby in healthcare for some shifts and getting notoriety professionally. And then um, personally, I just want to be living life, being a good parent, taking care of myself um, and not having, having a good ratio of burnouts uh, to help and having the burnouts be less, a lot less frequent. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Oh, I would say, honey, this is not pretty. <laughs> Clean yourself up um, and it's going to be okay. At 20, I was, uh, you know, I was that person who went all in on everything. Um, straight A student, you know, worked three jobs um, and partied really, really, really hard with drugs and alcohol. Um, and so my, and my mental health was not, uh, you know, in a, in, none of it was looking good on paper. It was amazing. Um, but I, uh, yeah, so I would say, start making some changes. Everything's going to be okay. And um, don't wait until you're 30. <laughs> looking back would you change anything hmm. well it's so hard because I'm really happy with where I'm at right now um I would say I would have yeah gotten help um and surrounded myself with positive people sooner in life um I think Mm -hmm. nice nice uh what scares you every time my kids walk out my door <laughs> I try not to be an anxious mom um but the thoughts in my head are, are certainly there you know are they gonna get hit by a bus today are they gonna you know get someone gonna be mean to them on the playground or you know, something kind of bad happened with their dad. Generally, the answer is 1000 times percent no. Um, so my biggest fear is just um, the mama bear inside of me. And then the fear after that is projecting it. So I do my, my best to not pass that on. <laughs> I know my sister's a mom of two boys, two young boys. And Actually, the dad's worse than the mom. Helicopter parents. But. Oh, yeah. I just read the book, How to Raise an Adult, which is the anti-helicopter parent. And it's very 
um, relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> They're good people. They're good people with really two amazing boys. I love my nephews to the moon and back, but uh, yeah. sometimes it's got a lot of good to let go a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much. <laughs> uh, where can people find more about you? Uh, my website, uh, Emily Marquis, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S dot com. So the French way, uh, that's where you find mostly about me. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and that's where I share um, the people I'm working with and um, hopefully I can connect with you um, through that. Awesome. I will post your link and with your permission, I will post your uh, social media links as well. Yes, please. Thank you. It's just so everybody can have easy access to you and your services. Great. Thank you. I look forward to, to connecting. Awesome. Uh, any final thoughts? Thank you so much. Um, I think these podcasts are so needed. It's personally one of my tools when I'm feeling down or needing inspiration or want to hear some like-minded things. Podcasts are my go-to. So to anyone listening, this is a great, great tool to have. So uh, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you so much for all your work that you do with, uh, with everything within the health and wellness industry. It's, uh, it's so much needed, especially, especially today that in the crazy world that we live in. Um, I've been digging into some of your stuff on your website and it's just great. It's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. So I appreciate you for all the hard work that you put in and I know how hard it can be sometimes. Thank you. Lots of undoing what we do to ourselves. Yes. But thank you. I appreciate it. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before. And you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world.